Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Exodus, chapter 4. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Check this out. This rod that was in Moses' hand, remember he was a shepherd for how many years? Forty. For 40 years, he had this rod in his hand, and he had become very familiar with it. It was probably, this rod was probably worn, smooth in certain spots. He knew exactly where to hold it and where he needed to use it. He knew this rod, but he didn't know this rod. He knew this rod. But he didn't know this rod. He didn't know that this was the same rod that was going to turn the Nile to blood. He didn't know that this is the same rod that was going to part the Red Sea. He didn't know that this was the same rod that was going to bring water from a rock and quench the thirsty souls of God's people. He didn't know that. He didn't know that this was the same rod that would be raised up over Israel in battle and that would bring victory. You see, he thought it was a dead stick. And it was going to bloom, and it bloomed. We know from numbers, or from uh, uh, yeah, numbers that, 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 that this rod bloomed, and it brought forth almonds. See, he knew this rod, but he didn't really know this rod. He didn't know the future of what God was going to do. So God told him, take the rod and cast it down. And notice when he cast it down, it became a serpent. Now, keep in mind, this rod was probably anywhere from six to nine feet tall. So when it became a serpent, that to me means it became an anaconda. <laughs> Charlton Heston got it all wrong, man. When he threw that thing down, that was a serious snake. I can't even say it. I hate him so much. I can't stand snakes have one purpose for me, and that is a pair of shoes or a belt. (laughs) Say amen if you agree. Amen. I've got no use for snakes. I can't stand them. I mean, they just just give me the creeps. I mean, I think about it. I've got chills. You you should feel me right now. I've got chills all over me, man. Snakes, I've got chills in my head. You could probably see those. I mean, look, look. Ooh. That thing became, it was huge. I mean, really, I mean, it was just huge. So God says, Moses, reach down, get this, and you probably already know this, don't you? Reach down and grab it by the tail. And you already know you never grab a snake by the tail. Why? Because you're probably going to get bit. So you never do that. But Moses did it, and I think I see a glimmer of faith on Moses' part at this point. 
It's just kind of right there. Moses says, okay, God, I, I, I can trust you a little. And he does it. I see a little bit of hope, <laughs> if you will, in Moses. And he grabbed it, took it by the tail. The Bible says it became a rod again. And Moses probably looking like, cool. That's tight. That's cool. Now, another thing you want to notice here, before we get to the second sign, what you want to notice so far in the Bible, get this, we've seen several miracles in the Bible from Genesis to Exodus. We've seen several miracles. Lot's wife became a pillar of salt. Enoch was translated to heaven. We've seen several miracles, but get this. This is the first time that a human being does a miracle in the Bible. The first time that God uses a human being as it relates to doing a miracle in the Bible. Sign number one, three signs of God's authority. Sign number one, the sign of the rod. Sign number two, the sign of the leprous ham. We just read that in verses six and seven. Moses is probably standing there checking out the rod, blown away. God says, Moses, take your hand and put it inside your robe on your chest. And he did it. And when he took it out, his hand was all rotted and it was leprous. And then God said, do it again. And he did it again. And this time it was made as the other flesh or made whole. And God said, it shall come to pass if they do not believe you nor listen to your message, the message of the first sign, then they should believe the second sign. Now get this, pay close attention here because this is very interesting. Each of the first two signs have to do with conversion. Conversion. Something good and useful, a rod and a hand, is converted to do something evil, a serpent and a leprous hand. And then they are both converted back. Very interesting. They both have to do with conversion. Here he takes, now, now, now here, you know, I, I think, and, and what this means, I mean, many scholars have their speculation. I'll, I'll give you mine. Here's my speculation of what these two signs are indicating or what they mean. I think that God is speaking to Moses in the first message. He says, Moses, if you obey me, I think this is what God is saying in the first sign, the first message. Moses, if you obey me, your enemies will be made powerless. In the second message, I believe God is saying, Moses, if you obey me, your pollution can be made pure. It's very possible that Moses was struggling with these two areas as he was in the wilderness with his enemies and with purity in his life. It's very possible. So God is saying, listen, Moses, I have the power to do the impossible. Moses, I have the ability to make things pure. Yes, you blew it, but I can make you pure again. Again, God giving him and confirming in him that I am the God of a second chance. And I can do, Moses, for you what you cannot do for yourself. Interesting. The third sign, the sign of the blood from the river. Notice now the Nile River, if you know your Bibles, you know that the Nile River was deified in Egypt. In other words, they worshiped the Nile in Egypt. God says, Moses, use this third and final sign. And if they don't respond to the first and the second sign, then use the third and the final sign. 
In other words, Moses do the first sign, do the second sign. And only if they don't respond to the second sign, then you're to use this third sign. And you want to notice the third sign is simply a sign of God's judgment. Good and pure water is made foul and bloody. And note, it doesn't convert back. In other words, if miracles of conversion didn't turn their hearts to God, then hopefully judgment will. Which teaches us a very important principle that the Bible says. Judgment, the Bible teaches. Judgment only comes when people refuse to believe even in the face of miracles and conversion. I'm going to say that again. Judgment only comes, God only judges people. This is a principle taught in scripture. God only judges people when they refuse to believe miracles and conversion. Then God judges. God gives man every opportunity to repent of their sin. Thank you, two people. God gives man every opportunity to repent of their sin. Now, mind you, I did not say repent of their sins. I said sin. You see, man wants to talk about their sins. What we do wrong. The bad things we do from day to day. Our sins. But the Bible tells us that no man goes to hell, watch this, no one goes to hell because of the bad things that they do. No one goes to hell because of their sins. Every man will stand in judgment and be sentenced to eternal damnation because of their sin. What sin? The sin of rejecting Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. You understand? Say amen. Amen. This is huge because otherwise you're on a works trip, man. You're all on a works trip. Got to do this. Got to do that. Got to do this. Got to do that. Got to do everything right. Got to do the right thing. You know, help the old lady cross the street. Give money to Jerry's kids. Do all the right stuff. Because I got to do the right things because I don't want to, you know, pile up a bunch of sins. Listen. You're not going to go to hell for your sins. You'll go to hell for rejecting Christ as your Lord and your Savior. That's the ultimate and the greatest sin is the rejection of the Holy Spirit. The Bible calls that the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And when a man rejects Christ, when a man rejects the work of the Holy Spirit, then God will have to judge them. It's a principle taught in the scriptures. Revelation chapter 6 verse 15. It's during the tribulation, and get this, God is judging men. And I want you to notice their hard-hearted reaction to God's judgment. In Revelation 6, 15, and the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves. Now, remember, we're talking about during the tribulation. They hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and to the rocks, fall on us. And hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand. You've been around here in Calvary Chapel. You know 
That, to me, is probably one of the most interesting statements in all of the New Testament. They are hiding from the wrath of the Lamb. When have you seen a wrathful Lamb? Haven't seen many signs around that says, beware of Lamb. (laughs) Have you? I haven't. The wrath of the Lamb? Yeah. Yeah. But isn't it interesting, even during the tribulation, when God's judgment is coming upon man, they refuse to repent and they continue to resist. Instead of calling out to the rock of ages, Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins and for salvation, they cry out to the rocks to kill them. That's amazing, the hard-heartedness of men. In that, they would rather commit suicide in a desperate attempt to escape their sin rather than repent and turn to God. That's amazing to me how hard-hearted people are. We would rather commit suicide than repent and call out to the rock of ages. We'd rather the rocks fall on us. That's an amazing statement. So God says this third and final sign, use it. Do it only after they've rejected the first and second sign. You still with me? Verse 10. Then Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent. Neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and I'm slow of tongue. And so the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? I love this statement from the Lord. Who made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, Moses, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. Man, have you ever thought about that? God is not only with us, but he's with our mouths. Amen. But, in verse 13, he said, Oh, my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. And so the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. And look, he is also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he'll be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and I will teach you what you shall do. See, God's always trying to work with us. Isn't that true? So he shall be your spokesman to the people, and he himself shall be as a mouth for you, and you shall be to him as God. And you shall take this rod in your hand with which you shall do the signs. Now, notice in verse 10, Moses says, oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent. You know, the thing is, if he's not eloquent, then how do you know to use the word eloquent? Things that make you go, hmm. I mean, that's pretty eloquent to me that you would use the word eloquent. I mean, do you go around using the word eloquent? No, no one does. So Moses says, Lord, I'm not eloquent. Now, we know from Acts chapter 7, if you're taking notes, you can look this up in your own time. Acts chapter 7 verse 22 tells us Moses was learned in the wisdom of Egypt and he was mighty in words and deeds. 
Now, it could be that Moses didn't feel eloquent in speech because he had been talking to sheep for 40 years. (laughs) And that's all I'm going to say about that, all right? (laughs) And notice what God says. God says, Moses, cut me a break. I mean, who made man's mouth? Who made the deaf and the seen and the blind? God says, Moses, I made them all. And go, and I'll teach you what you shall say. And God says, Moses, you don't need a speech lab. Moses, you don't need hooked on phonics. Moses, you need me. That's what God is saying. Moses, you need me. And notice Moses is still yet arguing with God. Moses says, God, that's right. You made the mouth, the ears, the eyes, so you can send anybody. Send someone else, please. Pretty please. I mean, that's the the context there in the Hebrew. He's like begging God. God, you know, you're God. You can do whatever you want. So send somebody else. And God had enough, and the anger of the Lord, the Bible says, was kindled against Moses. Why? Because God is doing everything he can to help Moses understand that he's the one doing the work and that he's going to be with him and that he should obey and trust him. And God says, listen, I'm getting enough. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of your arguing back and forth. I'm trying to work with you. I'm trying to let you grow and I'm trying to help you to trust me. And you are not getting there. And even in God's anger, God's still yet gracious Wanting to work with us. God says, listen, who's your brother? Aaron. Okay, God says, take Aaron with you and I will talk to you and you can talk to him and let him talk. He'll be the spokesman to the people. Well, then notice in verse 18. So Moses went. He returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and he said to him, please let me go and return to my brethren who are in Egypt And see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, go in peace. Now the Lord said to Moses and Midian, go return to Egypt for all the men who sought your life are dead. You see, I think that it's very possible that uh, Moses is struggling with that as well. With his enemies. Hey, everybody that was against you, all the men who sought to kill you are dead. Moses No reason to disobey me. Notice God goes on. Then Moses took his wife and his sons and set them on a donkey. And he returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took, what saints? The rod of God in his hand. And the Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you do all these wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in your hand. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. But if you, Pharaoh, refuse to let him go, indeed, I will kill your son, your firstborn. Now, stop right there. Notice in verse 18, Moses went, the Bible says, but it wasn't the same. Yeah, it was the same sky, the same desert, the same smelly sheep for 40 40 years, but this day was different. He had just had an interview and an argument with God. 
And he goes to Jethro, his father-in-law, and he says, please let me go back to Egypt to see. Look at verse 18. I kind of paused on that word. Look at verse 18. He says, to see whether they are alive, talking about his brethren. Now, what is up with that? God just told him, their cry has come up to me. That means they are alive. But notice Moses goes to Jethro and his father-in-law and says, let me go that I might see whether my brethren are alive. I just wonder if Moses, maybe, possibly, here's a white space, maybe, possibly, He was afraid to go to Jethro and say, hey, guess what happened to me today? You know, I was walking with the sheep, and the next thing you know, I'm talking to a bush. (laughs) I think maybe he just didn't know what to say. I mean, how do you explain a day like that? You had a long conversation with the bush and an argument with the bush. They put you in Dorothea Dix for this kind of behavior. Well, I think maybe Moses didn't know what to say. So Moses takes his wife and his kids or his sons, and he headed to Egypt. And notice Moses took the rod of God in his hand. And while traveling, God said, Moses, be careful to do the signs before Pharaoh. And then tell him, let my son Israel nationally go. And if he doesn't let my son go, I will kill his son. You see that? And that's not a good thing to say to Pharaoh. God's going to kill you. Now, over and over again, I'm going to touch on this now because we can touch on it many, many times in the book of Exodus. Over and over in the book of Exodus, give me your attention, we read that Pharaoh hardened his heart, and then we'll read, we'll talk more about it in the coming weeks, and then we'll read that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart, and then it reads, God, chapter 8, verse 15, for example, says, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Listen, when Pharaoh hardened his heart, when it says that Pharaoh hardened his heart, it literally means he made it dull, D-U-L-L, dull. It's the same word that's used of people who have ears, but they don't hear. He made it dull. When it says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart, that means stiffened. And that has the idea that God is confirming Pharaoh in the place of his choice. God is gracious, God is loving, God is second, third, fourth chance, and all of that. Yes. But if you choose to reject God, you can get to the place, like Pharaoh, where God will stiffen your heart. In other words, he's just allowing you to settle in, to firm up, to cement in the decision that you have already made. God will do that too. So it's your choice. Now, I want you to notice something here because I want to I get to this tonight. Notice, I want you to notice these next couple of two, three verses are strange, difficult to interpret, we will do our best. Look at verse 24. If you're there, say amen. Amen. And it came to pass on the way at the encampment that the Lord met him and sought to kill Moses. 
Then Zipporah, his lovely wife, took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at Moses' feet and said, Surely you are a husband of blood to me. And so he let him go. Then she said, So he who? He, God, let him go. Then she said, You are a husband of blood because of the circumcision. Again, give me your attention. Strange verses here. God says, Moses, go to Pharaoh. Tell him, if he won't let my son go, then I won't let his son live. I won't let his son go. I won't let his son escape death. Now, listen closely here. What separated, distinguished, set aside the firstborn of Egypt and Israel is simply a covenant of circumcision. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.